This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Insiders wherever you get your podcasts. Lauren, I'm ready if you are. For anyone who's been on these recently, we'll touch on the box score at the beginning, identify some of the key performances in the Sixers. Six straight win, big night from Joel Embiid. He has six straight 30-point games. We'll talk about some of the numbers as the questions continue coming in, and we will shift the conversation based on your questions. So message us, tweet to us. I know some came in last night. We'll look back at those. Some are starting to roll in now. So as we go over the box score and different things from last night, the atmosphere from inside the building, the Sixers now 22 and 16, fifth in the East, rolling right now on a six-game winning streak. The headliner of the box score was Embiid with 31 and 12, got to the line 15 times, and so many, so many emphatic dunks that contributed to a good atmosphere last night. At home, Lauren Rosen, he was dunking on all of the Spurs. They were jumping sometimes, jumping out of the way sometimes, but Joel was was awesome again in the game against San Antonio. Yeah, like Matt said, please, please, please send your questions. I'm starting to get some now. Um, we can dive deeper into the box score as well. Um, Matt, I don't know if we've formally even technically begun the spaces. Have we done a formal welcome to everybody that's here? If not, I'm going to do it right now. 
Welcome in everybody to another Twitter Spaces. I'm Lauren Rosen. Matt Murphy is with me on at Sixers. We do this after every Sixers win. We also publish these as podcasts. So if you hop off early or if you miss a space, they'll be available in the 76ers Insiders feed. So make sure you're following that feed wherever you get your podcasts. It is, in fact, the morning after a Sixers win. That is what brings us here today. We are gathered here today to celebrate a Sixers win. I think that's how I'm going to start opening these, Matt Murphy. Um, And we do dive straight into the box score. Matt already mentioned Joel Embiid, 31 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, a heck of a lot of dunks, some business decisions on behalf of the Spurs. We cannot fault them for those. 23 points apiece for Tobias Harris and Seth Curry. Tobias finishes with 23, 7, and 5. Curry finishes with 23, 7, and 7. Both of them got off to a 6-for-7 start from the field, shooting really strong. Shout out to Tobias, 9-for-12 from the field, 5-for-6 from the line. Uh, We didn't mention Joel Embiid gets to the line 15 times last night. He makes 11. Joel talks about how he thinks every free throw is free, so he wants to have made 15 out of 15, but that's something that he continues to work on. Matisse Thibel comes back into the starting lineup after missing two games due to health and safety protocols. He finishes with 12 points, two rebounds, two steals, and an assist. Matisse shoots a perfect 5-for-5 from the field, 1-for-1 from deep. Joel, as we'll get to later, wishes he tried more from three. And one for one from the line. Furkan Korkmaz rounds out the starting lineup. Seven points, five rebounds, two assists. And then solid contributions from the bench. Danny Green also comes back after being, well, he was questionable for this one, dealing with a little bit of calf pain. Finishes only with 15 minutes, but six points, two for four from the field, two for three from three, two rebounds and a block. George Niang, five points. And then we got a shout out, of course. Well, let's Andre Drummond, five points, six rebounds, two assists, three steals. Took it all the way up the floor himself. Drummond on the break, not something I think we expected to hear ourselves say last night, but exciting for him. And then got to give a shout out to last night's breakout star, in my in my opinion, Charlie Brown Jr. Plays 12 minutes for the 76ers, his hometown team. We'll talk more about Charlie in a little bit, but finished with three points, three rebounds, an assist, and two steals. He brought a lot of energy. He was really fun to watch, and the crowd really embraced him. Matt, I go through all of that just to say, outside of perhaps Joel's incredible highlight performances that we're going to dive deeper into with questions, what stood out to you? I basically went through the whole box score there, so what do you think deserves a little bit more shine before we dive into questions? It was the start of the game, mainly the first quarter and second quarter so the first half and the Sixers start their determined focus for me that stood out you bring up Charlie Brown Jr. I do think there's plenty about him to talk about being from Philadelphia playing at St. Joe's playing with the Bluecoats having some NBA experience but now playing in the NBA and scoring with the 76ers some questions already about him I think but keep those thoughts questions comments coming and we'll elaborate further as we move along but he was part of the good start for the Sixers so he fits this bill as well for this part of uh, what I took away because they scored 39 points in the first quarter which tied a season high they finished the first half after a Seth Curry three right before the end of the second quarter with 71 which is the most for a first half this season and tying the Rockets second half Last Monday, they will play the Rockets again coming up 
this Monday, but a, a big scoring half for the Sixers. Charlie Brown Jr. played in the first half off the bench because Doc Rivers said the team was in rhythm all night, but they needed some defense, and he went to Charlie Brown Jr. So it was something I noticed right away was how they came out with such a good energy. And even from where we sit, Lauren, I like to watch the opposing team during pregame and and not just like shooting when the starting lineups are being announced and kind of catch how they're feeling. Sometimes a really confident team will sort of ignore all the noise. The Spurs were sort of, in my opinion, wide-eyed last night watching Embiid and his teammates be introduced because a lot of them maybe haven't played many NBA games, maybe haven't played in Philadelphia, maybe haven't heard the whole Joel, the process Embiid introduction and the fire. You can kind of tell the guys that are caught off guard by the fire on top of the basket. And I noticed that last night. Yeah, it's funny when you ask about the San Antonio Spurs last night, Greg Popovich, of course, one of the greatest, if not the greatest coach of all time. Um, And also one of the funniest with the driest humor in the game, in my opinion, Prior to last night's game, he was asked who was going to start. The Spurs severely depleted last night. And he said, I don't even know half their names. And obviously, we have to assume that that was a joke from one of the greatest of all time. He knows who his players are, but the joke comes from truth, right? There are so many guys coming in and out of the league right now due to out due to health and safety protocols in because they've stayed ready and they've worked their whole lives for this moment. So to see someone like Charlie Brown Jr., to see those Spurs get sort of wide-eyed and in awe of Joel Embiid, we've seen that from Joel's teammates for sure, but cool to see another team realize the greatness that they are witnessing. Um, If you missed the box score moment, we're talking about Joel Embiid right now. Breland sent me a message asking who the leading scorer was. It was Joel Embiid, 31 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, a block, and that does not tell the whole story. If you're bored, if you want, while you're listening to the space, you don't even have to leave the space to go scroll through the Sixers Twitter account because they did such a great job of posting real-time highlights last night. We got angles from our talented, talented shooters. I believe it was Nina Raspa and Nick McCain. So shout out to them last night for capturing the amazingness, the amazingness that was Joel Embiid last night. Check out what is on the Sixers feed if you want to see those highlights. You can watch them while we chat about them. Hey, it's Joe Conklin. Join me for Conklin's Comedy Night at Parks Casino, the number one casino in Pennsylvania and the official local casino partner of your Philadelphia 76ers. Tune in to 76ers games for special Parks Casino offers for fans. Watch all the action on the big screens at the Liberty Bell Gastro Pub or the Beer Garden. And come see me live with comedians from all across the country in 360 at Parks Casino. Visit parkscasino.com for tickets. Must be 21 or over. Matt, where do you want to head now? We can dive into questions. We can talk more about some of the top performers. Um, the world is our oyster on Twitter Spaces. Yeah, there are a lot of things we can talk about. The post game media session. There were more gems from that one. Some actual stuff specific to the game from Doc and to Charlie Brown's performance. Joel did a joint media session with Matisse after Matisse had just gotten underway. Um, And it's not like we can't come back to individual performances or specific things from on the court against the Spurs. But when once we get into questions, but maybe we should talk about media, Lauren, because I always find that they're they're more fun when a player or the players are looser when they're with somebody else. So Matisse had come out, thought he was going to be by himself. And then Joel joined him. They pulled a chair up and there was another moment 
If you've been following the Sixers this year, you know recently Joel challenged Tyrese Maxey, and he did the same with Matisse last night. Exactly. So if you guys weren't following last week, Joel and Tyrese did their media together, um, and Tyrese had had a tough night from the field. Joel said, man, you were trash. You got to shoot more threes. Joel, of course, took it, or sorry, Tyrese, of course, took it like a champ, the two of them developing a really cute big brother, little brother relationship. They won't like that I use the word cute. A really wholesome, how about that? Wholesome big brother, little brother relationship. And then sure enough, the game after Tyrese shoots five for eight from three, he makes a career high five threes. So Joel's strategy there certainly worked. Last night, he tries to do the same for young Matisse Thibel, who by the way, was actually pretty phenomenal offensively last night, five for five from the field. Joel found him in the dunker spot a few times. That's something that the Sixers have been working on and something that we've seen rolled out quite a bit as the season goes along. Joel credited Matisse for making his life a lot easier. When the doubles come, if Matisse's man is sagging, Joel knows that he can trust him, but what he wants Matisse to do is shoot more threes. So he challenged him in their joint media session to shoot more threes, and then I asked Joel if he was trying to do to Matisse what he did to Tyrese last week. He said no, and then he said kinda with a big smile, um, and it was great to see the two of them. Um, I mean, Matisse, of course, has, has talked for, so, for his entirety of his career with the Sixers about the awe he feels towards Joel Embiid and then Joel of course has talked about Matisse as someone who he believes is going to be a defensive player of the year one day so the mutual respect that runs through these relationships um, across this roster is something that we've been watching all year long last season as well Um, but cool to see these little moments post game Um, I did post that little moment Uh, if you don't follow me on Twitter that's okay Uh, if you do thank you Um, It's on my Twitter. It's one of my most recent tweets if you want to go through and watch that exchange between Joel and Matisse. It was wholesome indeed. Um, I also think that we could dive maybe, Matt, into some questions. I want to talk about Charlie Brown Jr. because I think that that, had it not happened in Philadelphia, it still would have been a good story for a young guy to get an opportunity to play. It's not his first time playing in the NBA. He's been someone that has now capitalized multiple times on the opportunity to sign a hardship or a 10-day deal due to all of the absences, due to health and safety protocols. But it, it was his first time playing in his hometown. Charlie Brown is from Philadelphia. Charlie Brown Jr. is from Philadelphia. He played at St. Joe's. He's beloved by this city. And it was really clear when he came in last night just how beloved he was. I talked to some of my friends after the game who aren't from Philadelphia, and they said that seemed to be a lot of applause for somebody that was playing for the first time. And of course, Sixers fans embrace everybody, but it was a little extra for the hometown kids. So I was happy to explain uh, that he is indeed from Philadelphia. And then I heard from other friends that looked it up during the game um, and realized he was from Philadelphia, and they were willing to cheer a little bit more once they saw that. And Matt, uh, Charlie Brown Jr. has been playing with the Blue Coats. For those of you who don't know, Matt Murphy is the voice of the Delaware Blue Coats. He does such a great job calling their games for TV. So what has been your experience watching Charlie Brown Jr. this season? You got to watch him with the Blue Coats. You've been a Philadelphia guy for longer than I've been. So so what's it been like for you as someone that's been in the area and been closely attached to his career to watch him get to the point that he was at last night? Lauren, I have two things to say before my Charlie Brown Jr. talk. It's about Thibel just closing the loop on post game with Matisse. Yes, please. Well, first, the first thing is that I just followed you when you gave your handle. The second thing <laughs> is, uh, how about this stat real quick before we continue about Brown? This is courtesy of 76ers PR. Thank you to Rob King, Eric Chambliss, the whole team. In 
Will Matisse shoot more in the next game? We'll, we'll see. But he was a perfect 5-for-5. Five five. Matisse Thibel showed off his versatility in Friday's win with a 12.5-for-5 field goal and two-steal performance. This was the fourth time of his career he's put up. I'm reading their post-game recap. This was the fourth time of his career he has put up at least 10 points while shooting 100% from the floor along with two steals. These four performances rank second all-time in 76ers history, only trailing Hall of Famer Mo Cheeks, who had six such games in his career. So already four games of 10 points, at least 10 points, while shooting 100% from the floor with two steals, second in team history. That stood out as notable to me when I read that. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think, look, as is the case with any player that has an elite skill, it sometimes unfortunately turns you towards their other skills and Matisse of course is a prolific defender he's one of the best perimeter defenders certainly that I've ever seen but there are people that have been watching basketball a lot longer and a lot closer than I ever have that feel that way as well definitely one of the best perimeter defenders that this game has ever seen so um, exciting to see Matisse now start to match that defense with his offense I think folks are a little hard on him I've said this before um, because his offensive game is behind his defensive game. But if his if his defense wasn't as elite as it was, I don't know if he would get as much heat, especially considering how much he has improved. I've seen improvement. I've seen improvement in his confidence. That's something we've talked about. That's something Matisse has talked about. I remember him discussing it quite a bit in the playoffs last season, that he feels offense is all about confidence. And that's something as a young, as a young man that he's working on. Um, and of course, who among us can't understand that? So I also got that same question, Matt. Do, do you think that Matisse's offensive role is going to increase? I think as his role on the team increases, the offensive role has to increase. And I think that that'll just happen naturally. We're seeing it happen naturally. And then, of course, when you have the confidence of Joel Embiid, who's becoming a perennial MVP candidate, before our eyes, we're so lucky to be watching Joel at this time. When he believes in you, when he wants you to do more, that gives a guy like Matisse permission. And, and Matt, you and I talked about this with Tyrese Maxey. I'm curious to to hear your thoughts. If you're a Tyrese Maxey or a Matisse Thibel on the floor, and you're surrounded with Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, incredible offensive talents, I would think it would be really challenging to choose myself, right? To take a shot for myself when those mm-hmm. guys are available. So the confidence piece has got to be huge for younger players like Tyrese, like Matisse, to decide, okay, you know what? Yeah, this is my chance. And if I'm Matisse and Joel tells me, okay, I believe in you, I want you to do this, that changes the game when it comes to confidence. So it's been really cool to watch them sort of work on their games together. And I think that this is a great example of that. I have seen some improvement there from Matisse this year. There's a lot of games where he is quick to shoot the ball. And last night he didn't miss. So we'll see if he takes even more because of what Embiid said. But you teed me up for Charlie Brown Jr. And I have called a lot of Charlie Brown Jr. basketball over the years. He's been with the Bluecoats this year. Prior to that, when I was at Fordham, he was on St. Joe's. So I did his games at St. Joe's. And I guess in between those two, I didn't do his high school stuff. But in between, he played for some other G League teams. So he played at the Fieldhouse for the College Park Skyhawks, the Atlanta Hawks affiliate. He played in the bubble with the Oklahoma City Blue. And I did those games there in Florida against the Blue Coats. So I have seen him in various uniforms over the years. And he is an energetic defender. You saw it last night, his length on defense. I'll read a quote from Doc Rivers. Ultimately, Charlie Brown Jr.'s line last night, he played 12 minutes. 
and he scored three points. It was an and one in the first half. He had three rebounds, a block, two steals, and an assist, and he converted the and one for the third point. So Doc Rivers said post-game about Charlie Brown Jr. Charlie's athleticism, you know, you're really talking to Kobe Carl and J.P. Clark. Kobe Carl, the head coach of the Blue Coats, J.P. Clark, an assistant coach with the Blue Coats. Doc says they kept saying, watch his athleticism. He gets his hands on everything. You'll really like him. And then Doc continued, we put him in at that time. We needed defense. So that was the reason for bringing him in at that point in time. And credit to Charlie because he just didn't come in and get lost in the flow of an NBA game. He came in and made an impact right away. And he didn't take a three. But what I've seen in Delaware is he's a very capable three-point shooter. I can get his exact average, but I would guess that it's around 40% at this point in time. Um, so he is a capable shooter, but what was needed at the NBA level with the Sixers last night was defense, and he looked like he belonged right away, and it really energized the building for him to come in and give the Sixers a lift like that. We heard him at shoot-around in the morning. He was asked about what this means to him to play for the Sixers, and he was asked who his favorite Sixer was growing up. He said, of course, it was Allen Iverson. And he added that he grew up going to Sixers games all the time. And then I was just looking at him in a Sixers uniform, converting the layup, making the free throw, and the crowd giving him an ovation. That is a moment that I'm sure he'll never forget. Yeah, it was incredibly special. I'm not going to pretend that I know what's going on behind a player's eyes, but looking into his eyes at that moment when he hit the and one, when he heard the crowd embracing him, it looked like it was really special. And then you talk about what he adds to this team, and it's something that we've talked about a lot. Quickness, athleticism, speed. The Sixers have a lot of strengths. The players on this roster have a lot of strengths. Athleticism and speed is an area where they definitely are looking for a little bit more. And Charlie Brown Jr. brought that in droves last night. Really good to see him bring that intensity, bring that fire. And then we talked about in Orlando, he he wasn't on the court. He was on the bench, but he was the ultimate vibes guy. He was getting the crowd involved. He was getting his teammates involved. And keep in mind, he joined the team in Orlando. He had only been with them for a little over 24 hours at this at that point. So these aren't even really guys that he knows well. And he was such a good energy guy, such a good vibes guy, and great to see him then be able to have some moments to shine on the floor last night. Really, really cool to watch this. And of course, he's only on a 10-day contract. You don't know exactly what the future holds for Charlie Brown Jr., but he's doing absolutely as much as he can at this point to make himself an important part of the team based on, of course, what his situation is. I don't think he could be doing any more right now. And it was just, of course, great to see that story come to fruition last night. Um, Matt, I think we can dive into some of our questions now, unless you object. Um, We did get some questions about Charlie. One last night, but we sort of touched on them already. I just wanted to make one note about the contract thing and how this can be a difficult situation for guys like they're living their NBA dream, but you're not getting a huge runway to do it. Some Jackson last night said, do you see Charlie Brown earning a real contract in Philly? And then later on, um, one of the regulars here on Twitter spaces, BLSG said on a scale of one to 10, how well do you both think Charlie Brown Jr. did in his Sixers debut? Should we both give a 10? I know that's a cop out, but he brought the energy. I feel it yeah, feels whatever. wrong I'll to give, give him 
<laughs> it feels wrong to give him anything less than a 10. I'll give him a 10 for his a... performance in Orlando, too. Doing the absolute most with what he is able to do. He doesn't decide when he gets to sub in. So, considering whether he did or did not, he made an impact. Um, I also, Matt, can I read one of the messages I got about Charlie Brown Jr.? Um, Sam yes, said please. that he was in attendance last night and was sitting behind. I actually saw this out of the corner of my eye as well. After the team has their meeting in the locker room immediately post-game, Charlie Brown came out still in his uniform. He didn't even shower. He didn't even regroup or refresh. It didn't look like he had caught his breath yet. He And, and this is what Sam is describing. He said Charlie Brown Jr. climbed into the stands to greet and hug his family. My brother went over to him and said he was so nice and gave him an autograph. It was such a surreal moment. I was so happy to be able to witness Charlie Brown Jr. be happy. And that's exactly what I saw from my vantage point just seeing him sort of realize his dream with his family absolutely incredible I will never know what that feels like but it's so so cool to see it up close and this is a cool thing when the players walk in there's a lot of photos hanging up on the wall when they come into the building for that night's game and with him being someone who grew up with the Sixers he took his phone out I didn't see it happen but I saw the end result and took a photo of a Dr. J photo hanging up on the wall. He didn't mm-hmm. write anything on it. He just added it to his Instagram story pregame. So that's another example of why and how we think this is special for Charlie Brown. The question about his contract, look, we don't play GM on this thing ever, but Jackson asked about the contract, and I just wanted to st- say that he was just with the Dallas Mavericks before this on a 10-day contract. So it's really a a tough situation travel-wise for some of these guys. You're putting on a different uniform. You're basically just carrying your sneakers into an arena, and you may or may not get into an NBA game that night. And then your 10-day contract could be up, and it depends potentially on how many players on that NBA team are in health and safety protocols on whether or not you get the opportunity to stick around a little bit longer or if you go back to the G League or if another NBA team wants to sign you to a 10-day because they have more players in health and safety protocols. There's not a lot of precedent for this. And Charlie Brown Jr. went from the Bluecoats to the Mavericks to the Sixers, and he's on a 10-day contract right now with the Sixers, so I'm sure that he's just staying in the moment. Yep, no doubt about it. Wishing him, of course, all the best. Really excited for the seven days, I believe, he has remaining a couple more Sixers games in those in that time that you can imagine the Sixers will continue to be shorthanded and perhaps Charlie Brown Jr. will continue to have some opportunities to play for his hometown team. It's been awesome to watch thus far. Um, I want to go take a, take a little bit of a turn and answer Isaac's question. Isaac says he has a question for the space. How big has Seth Curry been in the past few games without Tyrese averaging around eight assists? That might be a little bit high for for Seth's assist numbers, but he has been wonderful stepping into that position. And Doc Rivers uh, discussed pregame. The Sixers, of course, right now, without Tyrese Maxey due to health and safety protocols, without Shake Milton due to a back contusion. Um, And Doc talked about the fact that Tyrese, of course, is the Sixers' primary point guard this season. Shake Milton has come in as a secondary one, but Doc clarified that Shake's more of a two guard, as is Seth, as is Furkan. Furkan flexes to the three sometimes. So, those guys that have been stepping in without Tyrese, without Shake, none of whom are real point guards, have actually done a really excellent job over the past, past few games. And, and you could talk about strength of, of schedule and strength of competition, but either way, these are really valuable reps for guys like Seth, for guys like Furkan, 
to figure out how to run the team when they need to, because those are two guys that are going to be part of the rotation, regardless of who's available, who's not down the stretch into the playoffs. It's been really cool to watch guys across the roster grow in, in different ways. Seth, of course, with a career high 12 assists in Orlando, and then Furkan pulls down 11 rebounds just the game before. Um, Matt, I know we moved past our media availability discussion, but one of my favorite little shadow moments in media availability last night, someone asked uh, Matisse about the way that Furkan has been playing lately and what it was like to watch his best friend, Matisse and Furkan, that is, to watch his best friend play while Matisse was watching from his couch over the last few games. Someone mentioned to Matisse that Furkan had got 11 boards and his face, like, Matisse's face like contorted. He was like, nah, there's no way that that happened. But yes, it did happen. I can <laughs> confirm. Um, so anyway, just cool to see the players step in in different ways and, and grow in different areas that, of course, you never want to see the league this shorthanded, especially in the situation that it's in, that the world is in right now, why this is all happening. But given the circumstances, very cool to see guys get the opportunity to grow in ways that they might not have been able to grow prior to this type of experience. So I would shout out, Seth for that for sure. I would shout out Furcon for what he's done for sure. Um, agree with Isaac. It's been really cool to see him grow in that area. Thanks, Isaac, for bringing up Seth Curry. And also Sam brought up Seth Curry as well. I'll just add the pull-up twos numbers. It was included in a piece by John Schumann with NBA.com. Prior to the game last night against San Antonio, of course, we're coming off a Sixers win here on Twitter Spaces 119. 100 in which Seth Curry scored 23 points on 10 of 18 shooting. Prior to that game, Seth was 59 59.1% on pull-up twos so far this season heading in. It would be the best mark for a player with at least 100 attempts. Rich Hoffman relayed this. It would be the best mark for a player with at least 100 attempts in the nine seasons of tracking data, topping Seth or Steph Curry's mark of 57% in 2017. 18. So, so efficient this year. Seth Curry has been so efficient. Thanks for those who were asking about Seth or making their points about Seth Curry and how he's been playing for the Sixers. Lauren, I got one question about the pass. Thanks to Drew. Thoughts on Joel's behind the back, behind the head pass to Matisse and his improved passing ability throughout this season. That's something that was a topic of conversation after the game. That was an incredible pass. The Spurs could not figure out how to get to Joel quick enough on double teams. Matisse snuck behind his Boomers teammate, Jock Landale, to get under the basket. And Joel, eyes in the back of his head, found him for the dunk. It was an amazing pass. And then, of course, Matisse goes up for the reverse as well. So, you know that emoji, Matt, where the eyes are really big and the mouth is really small? That's sort of the face I make multiple times a game behind my mask because I, I, based on just sort of like what is socially couth in our roles, I don't, I don't like to react too much in game, but I can let my eyes do a lot of the talking. So I definitely last night had a few of those moments where my eyes got real big watching something that Joel did. Really cool to see both of them uh, put it in reverse. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a heck of a play and demonstrates honestly growth for both of them. We, we've talked about Joel and Matisse together throughout this space, but Joel's growth passing out of doubles, Matisse's growth cutting and figuring out where to be when Joel is in that situation. Perfect example. Loved that play. Very impressive on a lot of levels. Joel is averaging over four assists this year, career high assist numbers for him. He had seven in last night's game. Of course, the play after that was 
clear out on the right side. Drew Eubanks trying to stay in front of Joel Embiid. Joel kind of throwing him out of the way. Landale gave a half-hearted jumping effort, and it was the big Embiid dunk that at the end was, of... That was a business yeah. decision from Jock. That's what I was talking about <laughs> at the beginning of this space. Sometimes you got to just get out of the way when you know what's coming for you. But after the pass from Joel to Matisse, our guy Charlie Brown on the bench had the goggles reaction. Yep. <laughs> with what? I have a question for you. Which one do you prefer in terms of celebrations? The goggles after a good pass, a no-look pass, whatever the case might be, or the raise the roof, which has been a staple of the Sixers over the last couple seasons? I think I got to be a goggles guy. Um, For those that aren't aware, the Sixers also have another goggles ritual um, during their layup lines. uh, Tobias and Danny Green reset uh, with about eight minutes on the clock and have someone start the dunking chain or the dunking pattern. Uh, And Tobias uses the goggles to zero in on whoever's going to be the lead dunker of the day. It's become quite the little (laughs) ritual. If you're ever coming to Sixers games, we try to record it and post it on our social channels. Um, So shout out to our social team for always getting that one out. But if you're ever at the game, it's really fun to watch that ritual. It's kind of a multi-part situation. And so to see it now, uh, the Tobias goggles be worn by his teammates during the game. Tobias has worn the goggles in game a couple times. So I think I'm going to be a goggles guy. Uh, no, no disrespect to raising the roof, but but I think the goggles are really funny. Give me a nice b-ball Paul, and I know he's in health and safety protocols. A b-ball Paul raise the roof after yeah, a transition that's dunk. That's a that's a classic. <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's a classic fair. for me. It's it's subtle, but I think it really accomplishes a lot, especially when it's like a wide shot and you could still see it going on in the background and it's not the focus. But if you have thoughts on that for some reason and you want to message us and say whether you prefer the goggles or raise the roof celebration, you can send those to me. But again, the goggles came because Joel Embiid had an amazing pass to Matisse Thibel. He also had some other great passes in the game. The double team stuff is something we talk about a lot and the Spurs were just not executing. Joel is just so quick with his decision making and he's also great with the pick and roll and Seth has made some really good decisions as well but Joel because he can hit that jump shot if you don't get out there long enough or quick enough he'll shoot it over you and the other times he's making the pass as the other defender is halfway to him and it's to a wide open teammate like Thibel under the basket so the double teaming was ineffective from the Spurs last night. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, That sort of moves us into a question that I got from Aiden, who's also a staple in the Twitter spaces. Thank you, Aiden. Um, Aiden asks, how many games do you think JoJo can keep his 30-point streak? It's an interesting question. Last night, Joel went to the bench with 29 points. It wasn't really clear if he was going to come back in. He did, of course, and ends up finishing with 31 to extend a six-game 30-plus point streak for someone that I should say we should call the MVP candidate. Um, I think that I'm going to take a page out of Tobias Harris book. Tobias is always so impressed by, by what Joel is able to do out there on the floor, but he has added on multiple occasions that if he wants 40, he could get 40 when he wants 50, he's gotten 50. So to me, how long is, is this streak going to stay alive? I guess, first of all, as long as it needs to, as long as Joel wants it to, I of course would like to see Joel get to take some, some more rest in, in fourth quarters at this point in the season. The Sixers have a couple games coming up. They obviously got the better of the Houston Rockets this past Monday. They'll play in Houston this upcoming Monday. And you'd imagine that the Sixers will have a similar edge in that one. Perhaps that an opportunity for the Sixers to get out to a big lead and let Joel take a little bit of a rest. So in that case, he might not get up to that 30 point, that 30 point mark. 
But should things get a little bit more contentious, as has been the case throughout the season, especially when so many teams have been shorthanded and the circumstances change on a day-to-day basis, I could certainly also see the streak staying alive for a long, long time. Um, I appreciate that question, Aiden. Matt, Aiden also added, I hope you guys have your Shirley Temples at the ready. I'm going to be honest, it was another coffee morning for me, but at some point we'll do a morning a morning Shirl for the Twitter space. No Shirley Temple for me. No Frosty yet. I'm heavily leaning towards getting a frosty later in the day today because there was a successful frosty freeze out a wendy's frosty freeze out late in the late stages of the sixers win over the spurs simon also asked us if we were going to get our frosties asked if i had gotten mine yet the answer to that is no but it's looking likely later in the day that i do redeem the wendy's frosty freeze out you can Get the Sixers app if you don't have it already, and it that's how you redeem. But two consecutive missed free throws in the second half of a home Sixers game, and the whole and everybody, all Sixers fans, win a free small frosty the first time that it happens. And it was a three-shot foul. Joe Wieskamp, a two-way player for the Spurs, missed the first two. He made the third, but it still counts, which there was some confusion surrounding that post-game, but Tobias said, oh, well, then we secured the bag. So that was <laughs> another funny moment. But success because of Wieskamp's missed free throws. And that's a tough spot, too. You're, you're, trying, you're get some, getting some extended minutes. You're new and you're, you're early in your NBA career, and you have all of Philadelphia screaming at you in a 20-point game while you're at the line trying to score for one of the few chances you get to be on the score sheet. And he goes one for three, a good shooter. Joe Wieskamp couldn't rise to the occasion of the frosty freeze out last night. I mean, look, it's a hostile environment in there if you're a member of an opposing team. So I understand how that could happen to a young player. And we definitely need to get a little bit of clarity on exactly how how things go when you miss three in a row. I don't know if there's a provision for that. So we're going to have to do some research. Tobias wanted to know last night, but we gave him the good news that the first two still count for a frosty freeze out. I believe our Alex Ubers was the one to break that news to him. So thank goodness that anyone who wants one is entitled to a free frosty today. Matt, this is an interesting question. We've talked a lot about uh, post-game interviews last night. Um, and Remy asked me, how are the post-game interviewees chosen? Love having Joel and the young guys together to witness his veteran leadership grow. Um, if you missed it, if you're just joining us, we talked a little bit about Joel and Matisse doing a joint media last night. There are clips from that media session on my Twitter page if you want to watch some of those after this space. Um, but I agree with Rebby. It's been really cool to watch players do it together. And to answer the question, um, our great PR team are the ones that are um, responsible for getting the players to the podium. And it's usually three of the four top performers. I think that's sort of a good way to describe who comes out there. But of course, if there are any players that want to speak, I don't think they're ever denied a chance to do so. So sometimes when they speak together, it's because one has volunteered to go with another. Um, and then, of course, breakout performances, first time with the team, returning to the team. There are all, all sorts of like special reasons why someone could go to the podium. Uh, media members will request players that they'd like to hear from. But usually it's either two or three of the top three or four performers from the night. I like that question. And I like that, Matt, as is usually the case, when we get towards the end of the Twitter spaces, we start to talk about things outside of what happened between the lines last night. Keep the questions coming. They've been really great this morning. Um, really, really appreciate everybody that's listening and has questions. I think we 
spiked a little bit in the last few minutes, had a few people join us. So if you're new here, um, you can click on my icon or Matt's icon, send us a DM with a question about the Sixers win from last night, their six game winning streak, anything that's going on in the NBA or the world. We'd love to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. This is just like any old podcast, except you guys get to decide <laughs> what the content is as we go along. Wanted to note about the Sixers six game winning streak. It's the second longest winning streak, active winning streak right now. In the Eastern Conference, only the first overall or the first Eastern Conference overall Bulls, who are 26 and 10 right now, have a longer winning streak. They have won nine in a row. In the West, the Memphis Grizzlies have won seven in a row, but then the Sixers' six game winning streak is the third longest active winning streak in the NBA right now. And I would also add that the road record, the Sixers have won 14 games on the road. That is tied with the Brooklyn Nets and I believe the, yes, the Utah Jazz. For the most road wins of any team in the NBA right now, the Sixers now working on getting a little bit more consistent at home. That's been a priority for them now over the last couple of weeks because it's uncharacteristic for them to have a better record on the road than they do at home. But usually it's the opposite. Probably a little bit easier to tweak and improve a home record than it is to tweak and improve a road record. So shout out to the Sixers for making that happen. Uh, Matt, where to next? I was going to add that to the conversation about post-game interviews that in previous seasons before COVID, these guys would be at their lockers and reporters could just go up to anybody on the team. And now it's three or four guys come out to the podium after the coach. So this big change has really only happened in the Zoom era, so to speak, where they're not sitting in at their locker and at any point, can someone come up and ask them a question? It's strange and different that that's how it used to work for many, many years, for all of time, really. Yeah, it is really interesting to think about all the ways that like this this system feels normal, but it's definitely not what it used to be. So um, thank you for adding that color, Matt. Appreciate you with that one. Um, as is always the case in Twitter spaces, I've gotten a couple George Niang shout outs in my DMs. Uh, shout out George Niang for the energy love. Sorry, I'm sorry. This is from Jenna or Gina. Um, shout out to George Niang for the energy. We love the way that he celebrates his teammates pregame. I think that that's also talking about the dunk train that we've been talking about. George absolutely eats that up every time he's there just cheering and clapping for whoever it is leading the train. Last night, it was Matisse Thibel. A few nights ago, it was Furkan Korkmaz and George the ultimate hype man on and off the floor. He really has been such a pleasure to watch on this team this season. Honestly, the dunk train, that's the pregame when Tobias picks someone, right? Correct. It's sort of nerve-wracking. Like if <laughs> even if I'm close, even if I'm close to the court, he's never going to pick me, but I'm in the back of my head like, "Oh, I hope he doesn't pick me." I think that's how the Sixers feel because some of the guys it might only be a rim grazer type of pregame dunk, but it's all eyes on them to deliver. So it's a lot of pressure. Some, yeah. And Matt, you're actually spot on there. Uh, when we were in Charlotte, we interviewed Matisse Thibel about the dunk train. Um, some of that interview was in one of our video features that came out of that trip. And Matisse actually confirmed what you just said. Uh, there's a group that includes, but is not limited to Matisse, Charles Bassey, Isaiah Joe, 
I'm not exactly sure who else, but they act like they're busy while Tobias is choosing who's going to start the train because they don't want to be chosen. Um, Last night, Charles was walking around sort of like looking up into the stands and like acting really engaged with the crowd. Uh, Isaiah did not play last night, so Matisse was left vulnerable without his buddy to act like he was really busy talking to, and perhaps that's how he was chosen. But you're spot on. These guys don't necessarily love that pressure, but... When the dunk falls, they support each other on a very high level as well. So it's been really awesome to watch that little ritual develop among the team. It really has. Today, we've had less Australia talk, not by choice, but last Twitter spaces for those who weren't here. A lot of listeners told us that they were listening from Australia, and it just so happened that a lot of them were in Perth and just wanted to give Mathief some credit for tweeting us about Matisse again from Australia. And I like the edit. They included a photo of Matisse's pregame dunk where Matisse is colorized and the rest of it is black and white. I think it's a cool edit. So just wanted to give some love to Australia after some dominant Australia talk in our last edition of Twitter Spaces. Trendy. I love it. I need to go look up that photo now. Appreciate those of you who continue coming back every time. It's awesome that so many people are listening after every win. Um, if you guys want, last time people, a lot of people shared where they were listening from. This is one of my favorite parts about, about doing this over this medium. And Twitter spaces and podcasts in general, like anyone from around the world can listen to these at any time or live. And, and I appreciate that we're able to engage with you guys because I love engaging with the Philadelphia community, of course, and the folks that are at games, of course. But it's so cool to me that, that these Twitter spaces, we do them in the morning and we are having our coffee, but some people are getting ready for bed. Some people are at work and it's been such a pleasure to hear where people are tuning in from. Always some love from Turkey, always some love from Australia. Last time it turned out that about 10% of the folks listening were from Perth. So shout out, of course, to the Perth folks. What, what are you called if you're from Perth? I want to know. I'm not going to guess. Um, but we appreciate everybody that's tuning in. Last night we had our, our last game. We had love from Nairobi. So appreciate that as well. Let us know where you're listening from. Um, Sam adds another one, Matt, about George Niang. I love George Niang's theme song, Friday. I've listened to it about three times since yesterday. And I'll, I 100% see why George Niang loves it. There's so much hype and joy behind the song. I can't imagine that anyone in this space is unaware, but if you don't already know, George Niang uses a a weekend theme song and and hypes up the weekend every time that a weekend comes around. So I suppose every, well, every Friday. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, And he posts on his Instagram. So so check out George's Instagram if you're not following him already. He's an excellent follow and he likes to hype up the weekend by using uh, videos of himself and his teammates celebrating whatever good thing happened that week. Such a positive vibes guy overall, and I'm glad that the fans and they, are seeing it too. And they play it after his his buckets, or they did last night at least. Yep, that's become his little little theme song for those of you who don't know. And shout out to the game presentation crew, Derek Hayes, Matt Cord, and so many other people. Um, each of the players, it's not quite like in baseball how every player has like their walk-up song because that's always a little bit more time where, where a player has to walk from the dugout to home plate like that's that's an extended period of time it makes sense to have a song the Sixers have like a little bit more uh, they, they have jingles every time that they get a basket and, and so it's been cool to see different guys have their little two to three second jingle when they have a big play um and George has chosen the Friday song um Kara says it's about 3 a.m in Melbourne Australia it's my first time listening 
but I will be coming back next time. That makes me so happy, Kara. I'm sorry that it's 3 a.m., uh, but Kara loves this space and community. I do too. Matt and I talk about it every time. It's such a pleasure to do this with you guys. Kara, for your reference, if you're just joining later on in the space, you do not have to stay up until 3 a.m. Um, we turn these around as podcasts. Matt is a, is a podcast producer extraordinaire with these. Um, and they end up on our 76ers Insiders feed. So if you follow 76ers Insiders anywhere you get your podcasts, you can listen to a post-win Twitter space at any time. Not just the morning, well, 3 a.m. in the morning after after a Sixers win. For the non-night owls in Australia, perhaps the podcast is better suited for them. So spread the word. But also, I think there's a benefit to listening live. You can say you were in it live. I, other benefits, I'm not sure, but it seems fun to just live it in real time. 76ers for life is listening live from Brooklyn. So from Australia to Brooklyn, New York, I'm assuming. Is there another Brooklyn? I think listening that's probably from, the one. <laughs> <laughs> listening from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a little bit over an hour away from Philly. That's BLSG. And Mathief says that people from Perth are called West Aussies. Aussies West Aussies. Sorry. There you go. I love that. Um, Tina says, listening from Cheney, I believe C-H-E-N-E-Y, Washington. Love listening to you both. Love your passion for this team. It's 7.30 a.m. here. Good morning, Tina. Um, Arjan, A-R-J-A-N. I'm sorry if I said that incorrectly. Arjan says, hey, Lauren, all the way from the Netherlands. That's a new one. Love hearing listeners from the Netherlands. Is the home record a little bit skewed since the team has played six more away games than home games? Um, skewed, not necessarily, but I do see what you mean there. Less time to get into a rhythm at home, a little bit more time to get into the rhythm on the road. Maybe a blessing in disguise that the team has figured out a, a good rhythm on the road and now in their upcoming schedule, we'll have some more opportunities to play at home. Love that point. It's a good one. And the other things about the home road splits and the record at large is when your team is going through it the most with health and safety protocols and how many days off you have between games. They're starting to get some players back. They get their coach back from health and safety protocols. They're winning a lot of games in a row. They're having more time off between games. So the schedule lessened up a little bit and they're stringing together some wins. And it's such a long NBA season. We always say it, but this point of the schedule, having multiple days off between so many of their games is part of the reason they're winning more games, in my opinion, because they have more rest. No doubt about it. Uh, really cool. Honestly, probably for the best. Yeah, that, that the Sixers are spending more time on the road at the beginning and have dealt with so much adversity at the beginning. They're fifth in the East right now and have seen almost every player go out for an extended period of time, uh, whether due to health and safety protocols or to injury. So hopefully the Sixers now can prepare for a stretch where they spend a little bit more time at home. They spend a little more time healthy and together. Um, because that, of course, is, is a great way to string together some wins, build chemistry as the season gets to its most important phase. Um, Matt, as we start to wrap up, are there any questions that you want to get to before we call it for this one? As a reminder to everybody, uh, the Sixers will play again on Monday in Houston. Between now and then, if there's anything we didn't talk about that you want to hear about, send us a message. We're going to always compile questions that we get in the time between spaces. We'll also hope to do this again, of course, after a Sixers win on Tuesday morning. So Matt, uh, what do you have before we close it out? 
I don't have much to add. I know Simon's question about the Frosties that came in first last night was about how much or how important the Frosty freeze-out is to Sixers fans and, and getting those successfully. It feels like there was a little bit of a stretch where a player would make the miss the first and sometimes make the second. That's always deflating when that happens and you don't get a successful Frosty freeze-out. And then Mathief in Australia about Frosties said, when you come to Perth, can you please bring some Frosties? I was in Philly on Christmas Day 2019 and was obsessed with them. I can't believe they don't have them in Australia. So when we jump off here, consider getting a Frosty if you have it available to you because of the missed, the two consecutive missed free throws, the Wendy's Frosty freeze out at a Sixers home game last night. Thanks to Joe Wieskamp of the Spurs. You can redeem via the Sixers mobile app, but that was the cherry on top, the Frosty on top of a good night in Philadelphia as the Sixers have won six games in a row. It really was a good atmosphere and Joel Embiid just continues. How long is the 30 point streak going to go? I don't know. 44 games the rest of the season. <laughs> I but said as been, long as he wants it to. That's how I feel. He's been awesome. So yeah. it, it was a it was a great night. No doubt about it. We've done these a lot lately. If the Sixers have won six in a row, it means we've had six Twitter spaces in a row, six podcasts made out of Twitter spaces in a row. Thank you, Matt, for those. If you guys aren't following Matt already, please make sure that you are. Click on his icon, toss him a follow. He's always giving uh, really valuable insights, particularly on some of these younger, newer players. Nobody knows them quite as well as Matt Murphy does, especially the call-ups from the Bluecoats. Um, as I continue to plug things while we while we wind down, it's been about an hour. First basket, first basket for Aaron Henry last night. There you Two-way go. player, NBA go. basket. He's been a staple of this Bluecoats team, which has just recently started its official regular season. They will be home in Wilmington, Delaware. So if you're not somewhere else in the world and you can make it to Wilmington, Delaware, they're home on January 16th and 17th. So a little more than a week from now, the Showcase Cup champion Bluecoats will be back home in front of the local crowd. Just wanted to squeeze that in. Congratulations to Michigan State's Aaron Henry for his first NBA basket down the stretch of the Spurs game. See, that's what I'm talking about. A testimonial right there for why you should be following Matt Murphy at all times. Um, please also follow at or follow rather the 76ers Insiders feed for podcasts. You'll get these, but you also get more uh, in-depth interviews, interviews with players. Um, Matt and I have one coming soon about Joel Embiid's case for MVP. Or no, sorry, rather. Okay, he has a case for MVP, but we're also making his case for the All-Star game. It's an easy one to make, so perhaps we make the MVP case in order to explain why he is so easily an All-Star. Tried to cover myself there, but I don't know if it really worked. So make sure you're following the 76ers Insiders feed. Also make sure you're following the big Niang theory with George Niang. If you haven't followed that already, George has his own podcast. He's such a talented podcaster um, and has t- has done a really great job uh, in our first few podcasts. Guest number one was Furkan Korkmaz. Guest number two was Tyrese Maxey. You guys are going to love guest number three. So if you haven't caught up on those, if you're trying to sustain your good Sixers vibes, uh, go to the Big Niang Theory wherever you get your podcast. Listen to episodes one and two. And if I can make a request, send me your feedback. Let me know what you think. Um, which guests you want to hear next, what types of questions you want to hear. Right now, we're still in the phase where George is using the podcast to sort of get to know his teammates a little bit better. Um, As a first-year Sixer, it's been really cool to watch them get to know one another. Uh, And that's been the primary goal of these, so they can get to know each other, so you guys can get to know the players a little bit better. So if you do listen, I would appreciate it. And if you could send me your feedback, I would appreciate it so much more. 
Um, I think that's it, Matt Murphy, unless you have any closing thoughts. Thank you guys as always. I laugh because every time you say, unless you want to add something and I just, I don't know. I, most of the time I do think of something on the way out the door and tonight it is that, or today it's that when you brought up the big Niang theory with George Niang and Lauren Rosen, George himself sounded like a lot of people in these Twitter spaces. They say, when's the next episode? They're really looking forward to it. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know, we, Lauren and I talk on Instagram live before games, usually about two hours before. And if you follow the at Sixers Instagram, you can get notified when they go live and we hop on there for five to 10 minutes and talk about the injury report and what we're watching for in that night's game. Well, against the Spurs pregame, George Niang came in and said, when's the next episode of the big Niang theory dropping? <laughs> so even he wants to know because we're all looking forward to it that much. Yes, noted Sixers fan and Sixers podcast network fan, George Niang uh, was in our Instagram live last night. Yeah, we do these after wins, but we do those before every Sixers game. Um, there's almost always one, if not two of us in the building, in every building this season. So if you want to look inside pregame warmups, uh, make sure you're following the Sixers or myself on Instagram. I'm at Lauren M. Rosen over there as well. You'll get notified. Um, we try to keep them really short. We try to take questions as well. So if you want the pregame content, if you like the post-win content, that's the pre, hopefully pre-win content. It is technically pre-loss content as well. Uh, but we love doing those as well. So make sure you're following us. Those usually happen um, between two hours and an hour and a half before every Sixers game. So yes, we'll be doing more of those. The podcasts will keep rolling in. And we, as always, appreciate you guys so much for joining Twitter Spaces. I think that'll do it for today's. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, for submitting your questions. We have a lot of fun with these. We hope you do as well. And Matt, I will talk to you very soon. Hopefully talk to everybody after another win as the Sixers play in Houston on Monday night. We'll see you before that one on Instagram Live. We'll hope to see you after that win on Tuesday morning. She's Lauren Rosen. I'm Matt Murphy. Thanks to all of you for listening as always, and we will talk to you next time. See ya. See you guys. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! 
and some waves so we could go surfing. Oh. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.